Hey there, Shopping Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about friend and web design and development. I'm Dave Rupin with Miss Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris. Hey. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Hey, let's talk about CSS modules, dude. Cause like, I love it because I learned about it this week. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I said the thing. I've already kind of committed a faux pas. Why is everybody talking about the word faux pas this week? It's come up a lot of Fox time. Pass. Fox yeah, <laughs> it's uh, because we're going to talk about I guess we can talk about the existing one, too. There's a, you know, a popular concept that's been around for years and years and years called CSS modules. But it's like, a, you know, it's a build process thing, mm-hmm. right? It's like mm-hmm. a it's a thing that you stick in your, you know, it's, it's often thought of as CSS and JS because it's kind of. You know, it's built to work with, I think it doesn't need JavaScript technically, but the whole point is like you have some HTML and you have some CSS and you want to scope it together so that all of the class names in the HTML are obfuscated. They're not dot title anymore. They're dot X, Y, Z, one X, two B, Z. And then mm-hmm. you still write class name title in your HTML and you still write dot title in your CSS, but in both places they get obfuscated. They get obfuscated in the HTML and the CSS. That's the scoping that you need. And that's why this library exists. It's super popular. You mm-hmm. know, it's so so popular that like, you know, it's just built into Next.js, for example. You don't have to use it, but if you want to, you just name your file dot module dot css or .scss and it just works it works with sass you know you don't you know you can use them both you know it's just the scoping i think it maybe has like one or two little syntactical things that it can do it uh i bring that up because not only is it really popular and that's part of the story here but i like it and use it i think it's really good i think just the scoping is something that i really want out of css so we can get to that conversation too because that's heated up so there's lots of like combined stories that are happening here but let's start with the idea that all all of a sudden i guess and you know coming out of the chrome canon (laughs) yeah in chrome chrome 93 which is about to come out like based on this episode like it's the next thing there's a this new feature called CSS module scripts, which of course it, they call CSS modules, hence, the which overlap. is called CSS modules. And the scripts was added after the fact to be like, Hey bro, it's not the same. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, it is like, so, and, and it is one piece of the puzzle. It is the ability to just like ECMAScript modules, ES modules to import JavaScript into JavaScript. You can now import CSS files into JavaScript. So I say import my CSS from CSS file, whatever, my CSS.css, and then you have to add this little assert curly type equals or type colon CSS. Yeah, That's just a little thing. Just a little Um, bonus to the end of the, the single line for importing that CSS file. And that's following in the footsteps of another assertion of type JSON that they also rolled out somewhat recently is like here's a way to import json into CSS, and it's kind of like why do you need to do that can't you just fetch these things dave can't you just yeah i mean you could but like you know you fetch and then you set a variable and then you set like a thing you know like what if it's just like import this as whatever posts import posts from post.json like isn't that easier like isn't that like that's what i want to do that's what i want to express i feel like that's a decent way to do it like 
you're auto instantiating a variable that you can use or a global that you can use. Yeah, I mean, it feels spiritually connected to how ES modules work. And from my perspective, and I think most people's perspective, that's applauded. Mm -hmm. Uh, Import keyword and export whatever in JavaScript is awesome. Thank you for doing that. What a nice way to pull in stuff. And even the JSON, when I saw that came out, I was like, hey, nice. You know, yeah. Now, it's just a few less lines. It's a little syntactical sugar, but it feels good. And then, so then along comes this third thing that we can import called CSS module scripts. It's, it's I can't help but laugh to say the name a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, it's syntactically just like all the other two, right? The so it, it feels yeah. in line with it. And then here's the part that I don't know, I think is relevant here is that once you have that as a variable, it doesn't just come in, you know, how like JSON comes in as an object Mm -hmm. and React Mm -hmm. comes in like as whatever it was exported as a function or an object or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. CSS comes in as a special thing. It doesn't come in as an object. It comes in as a constructible style sheet, which is yet another Chrome thing, which I don't think anybody else has shipped yet, but it's this special type, I guess, in the browser that is specifically designed for CSS. But I mean, and you don't even need to care about that necessarily because like your web component will just take the thing as is, you know, but what Mm. it does give you is kind of programmatic access to what's in that CSS file. So if you want to like loop over the rules or something, you can do that. You know, it has, you don't have to parse it. You don't have to like bring your own CSS parser, like post CSS or something into the party. You kind Mm. of have some native abilities to, to, loop over and change stuff in that CSS if you want to, that's a big deal. As I otherwise think that you're really on your own for that, you know, having to regex through CSS to change stuff or something. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So, so there's goods, I guess, you know, there's certainly a pros and cons column. One of the pros being that programmatic access. One of the cons being that they stepped on the name of this open source project. What are the other pros and cons? So, Pros are you can also can do a constructible style sheet from a string so or a template literal or something like that. So I can just like a curly brace color red. I, I could type that out and then I could build my own like I could do a replace sync is the method on the style sheet, uh, this constructible style sheet. And like it would basically generate the same import. The, the the I guess it's called a constructible style sheet, the same constructible style sheet. And then I can do document dot uh, adopted style sheets and then push that style sheet into that. So it's just a, it's an array of style sheets that are kind of just living not yeah. in the DOM, but kind of in, or sorry, I guess it would be in, Oh, this is where it gets confusing. It's not like in the HTML. It doesn't output on the page. It's just kind of this invisible style sheet that's being applied to the page. So, um, yeah, like it doesn't just because you import a style sheet this way, it's not on the page, mm-hmm. which is that might be a little confusing to people who, like, for example, are used to like Webpack where you could just you can just type import and then quote and then the path to a CSS file. And it's implied that it not only gets imported, but in, but injected, you know, mm-hmm. used yeah, on the page. Yeah. This does not do that. You just, now you just have this constructible style sheet in your hands. Just like Which, if you were to do like dot create element or something, you just have the element. It doesn't go on the page. Yeah. Which actually solves a problem 
with some of these CSS and JS frameworks, because some of them would inject a style sheet on the page or like a style tag with all the crunched up rules, robo classes and stuff. And they would like, and it's actually, if the style changes and they like whatever a user logs in and all their links turn green instead of red, um, and, and they need to redo the style brick in there, it would actually just append a new style brick and reset all the classes. Um, and because it's more expensive to like remove that brick, cause then you have a style calc to remove and then you have a, a mm. inject and then you have a style calc to inject. So it just the, slaps another one on there and lo- allows the CSS specificity to override it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so this sort of solves a little bit of that problem of injecting. I mean, I'm sure you get, still the reflows, but like the, the, like you're not like modifying the Dom to inject a a style brick onto the page. So, so it solves one little problem there. I think one problem that it creates is a lot of these CSS modules or other CSS and JS sort of things where they were kind of camping or on the, or extending, let's say the import syntax of like import my style.css Mm. And it would import a CSS file. Webpack is that why we have to have the assertion gibberish at the end I, there? Because it because we just have to. Maybe that's like what makes the Webpack fail or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Or I see that. or well, that's gives, a hook Webpack can go hook. in. Yeah, yeah. And I I do like you know they also I I did read at one point that you can't trust a file extension. You know, like just because mm-hmm. it ends in .css that's not like good enough, you know, it, the server needs to return the correct content type. So like yeah. having an assertion in the syntax forces that content type. And that's like, you kind of need that. Yeah. You could name all your CSS files, virus.exe if you wanted, you know, yeah, as long as your <laughs> server knows what to do. Yeah. Right. It might actually turn it. Well, Oh, now there's a existential question. Is CSS a virus? Go. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. I expect blog posts by the end of the week. Yeah, um, I've read a few white papers that would suggest <laughs> that it is. Um, so, you know, I think it creates a problem with bundlers just because that that namespace was kind of camped by these tools that were trying to, like, use the familiar import syntax or even that same mechanism and then just sort of, like, auto-magic the, the type, right? And so mm-hmm. uh, me personally, like... I think they had to do what they had to do, but like that sort of gets into like extending prototype territory, you know, like you're, you're inventing grammar. And if you in like kind of like steal grammar where, where, or or you abuse grammar that exists in the language, you're going to, you're going to create a problem later down the line, unfortunately. But that's just me. Um, So I understand why everyone did that. I, I no fault there for, for like creating import CSS file, but we, <laughs> you're probably created a problem. So it probably should have been some other thing, like some function or some global function called really, I don't know. So you you almost don't like the syntax. You wish there was another like <laughs> require or something, not, not to make it worse. No. Yeah. I mean like, but I think like you get, end up in like a smoosh gate, right? Like you like, uh, what was it? Um, Moo tools used array dot flatten. flatten and yeah. so we couldn't use flatten. We had to use flat and flat map or something like that. And so 
you know, it's just, you end up in this weird situation where if you say import CSS, now the brow, now the, the W3C can't just say import CSS and we have to have import CSS assert type is CSS. So, which that's actually mm. maybe good. Like what if we have something other than CSS in the future? You got to think that way too. Like what if we have DSS Dave style sheets and Dave style sheets are the more rad. And so like, that's true. But can you just, isn't that what type handles? Then it would be of type. Well, that's what I think. I think like the assert mechanism is maybe good long run. So, oh yeah, I maybe. definitely think so. That so I, uh, yeah, now I fully understand your argument. Yeah, I mean, we don't have importing for SVG. Mm-hmm. We don't have importing for HTML. Well, so there is HTML modules is going to be a thing, is and it? so you'll be able to import HTML into your JavaScript. I know it's confusing. It doesn't quite map with HTML imports, which would be importing HTML into HTML, which would be a gosh dang godsend, but. It is importing HTML into your JavaScript. So your render React render template, which that's JSX is maybe a little different. It might be in a bit of a pickle um, here, but like Vue, uh, which is could actually maybe use HTML modules because it's all directive based, you know, the for loops and stuff like that. So you might be able to inject an HTML template straight in and then there may be some bonuses because it's html it might get tokenized in the way that html tokenizes templates and stuff like that so it comes in you import the html and then it's parsed like dom parsed and so when you inject it into the dom it's actually it actually knows what it was supposed to do so anyway there's kind of some cool things on the horizon there um but so we have cs js modules or es modules HTML modules and CSS module scripts. So, so anyway, that's a lot. Okay, so l- there's a lot to chase down here. Um, here's some pushback on it, and you know, this here's a there's one thread from Evan Yu, you know, View and Vite, and has been on the show and stuff. Do- doesn't like it for a couple of reasons, and and specifically calls them out. One of them is that um, the name clash, sure. Um, the same syntax, the same import syntax. We just covered that. Let's see. Requires JavaScript, so can't avoid flash of unstyled content. So that's because the import what triggers a AJAX event, essentially, AJAX and event. yeah, pops in and then and then does it. Um, I can. Okay. Do we want to play by play? I feel like you could create a bundler that does the pre that prefetches it, you know, and then pulls it into the like, cause there's the manual way I talked about. Yeah, of like, like, I know it doesn't work with bundlers today, but it does seem bundler friendly. Doesn't it? Like, I think you could do it. I like, I don't work on bundlers, so I'm really naive in saying that, but like, I feel like it's a possibility to the, the bundle could have the style sheet in it and fetch it and do it and pre process that. So yeah, I'm just going to say you can, but, but yeah, no one's done it. It doesn't the, exist yet. It doesn't exist yet. So, yeah, I think that would solve the SSR issue too, because it's then it becomes do whatever you want with it once the bundler has it. Yeah, SSR, you know, SSR and web components is an issue. And this is kind of a bigger issue too, is this is a lot of people's feelings are kind of about CSS modules here, at least in these threads, are I feel tainted by web component experiences and web component people experiences. And 
that's fair because it's all the same people working on it. You know, it's, it's Googlers on the polymer lit team that are drafting this sort of stuff. And so that's fair, totally fair. Um, But I, I don't think, you know, web components have a pretty bad server side render story right now. Um, but it's important to remember why we do server-side rendering. It's because we put too many farts in the engine and JavaScript is super slow. So that's why we have to, and like DOM diffing and stuff like that, that's slow. So that's why we have to server render. I don't know. I don't know. I'm. It is kind of ironic, right? And, the, you know, it's because because Google tells us we shouldn't do too much JavaScript for our SEO. Yeah, it's funny how much comes back to the Google sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's all, we're all whatever surfs in Google's kingdom here. <laughs> so. so you have this tool then that this native tool for pulling in a style sheet and giving you programmatic access to it, which is kind of good, but then what does it solve? And I think that's some of the criticism too, is that what it solves is pretty minimal. I would argue that it solves, a, it makes web components a little better. Cause I like the syntax of just, just, you just point to a style sheet here. That's the style sheet for you. You got it. That's, a better styling story than I've seen exist with web components mm-hmm. so far. This is not exclusive to web components though. It's just a primitive. You do whatever you want with that style sheet once you got it. And then so but if it's if if there is some connection to the the GitHub project CSS modules in this, this does not solve scoping. It it absolutely doesn't help scoping. And I think the right. pushback at least I heard from from Justin and who we've had on the show before too, it's just like, this is the most, this is the least we could possibly do so Mm -hmm. far. It doesn't mean that it will Mm -hmm. never change. It just means this was the building block from which other things could potentially come fine. You know, hard to argue against that, you know? Um, But, but it's true, right? This doesn't help scoping at all. And that's where you (laughs) kind of had a little play ski. Well, yeah. Like, so I saw chatter. It was just like, this doesn't solve everything, you know? And, and I was just like, Oh, you know, that's actually like a good point. Um, it, the scoping, it does do scoping in shadow Dom because shadow Dom has its own little weird style encapsulation. We've talked about that probably 10 episodes. I have a talk. Sure. (laughs) Like, but it's um, not helping with the scoping shadow Dom is helping. shadow Dom is doing. So when you import the style into this, you adopted style sheets, you can do shadow root dot adopted style sheets. And so like you can boom, chuck it into your, your components, shadow root. Wow. Like automatic encapsulation. But that does not help Evan or uh, or Rich Harris from Svelte is also on there who have they don't have they they actually support web components like God bless them that's they're, they're really mm-hmm. trying you know um, to work with this but like they support web components but they like but their frameworks don't use Shadow DOM right and so they need a way to scope styles to components because their com- frameworks and stuff already support scoping styles to components. Um, so how do you get those like robo hashes and barfs, you know, into your, into your elements and like into the classes or into the, the component Dom. And then how do you get it into the, um, into the CSS file itself? And so I just was like, is this even possible? Uh, 
And yeah. Westbrook Johnson was kind of on the same page, but I just was like, I'd never played with CSS module. So I just was like, I'm going to fire up some code pins. <laughs> and so I fired up a code pin and I started, I constructed a style sheet and just was like, Oh, what's it give me? You know? And it gives you like this object and every, and it has CSS rules. And then you open CSS rules and inside CSS rules, there's a, you know, it's an array. So there's zero. <laughs> and so then you open up zero and that mm-hmm. is your first rule. You're, a a color red and then you open up the next rule and it's b font weight bold you know and so like but that rule is actually parsed out and so that rule is an object and so that the the object there has the selector text and then the css this this part of it makes me feel like that's a nice interface good job so (laughs) it automatically splits it out so if you're just like okay i don't I'm just looking at selectors. I want to find all my whatever bad selectors or something, uh, sure. whatever you weird stuff you're into <laughs> for, for me. I just was like, okay, can I get that selector? And then could I like clone something and like, whatever, like mess with the selector. And what's cool is if you edit the selector, if I say like rule dot selector text and, and I change my anchor to, a bracket href. So like I'm saying only anchors with href should be read. I can do that. And then the CSS text, which is the actual full a color red, it turns into a href color red. And so like it does that automatically. And then you have to do like a, like it, and then I can adopt the style sheet with that change. But what I had to do, I, I just was like, I'm going to try it. Cause I like view CSS modules we talked about turns it into like class equals ZXYMB or whatever. Right. But the way Vue does it is it adds a data dash ZXYMV to every element in that scope, right? Which is the same CSS specificity. It's just an attribute selector instead of a CSS selector, right? Right. And, and, and it doesn't like, it's non destructive. So all your classes that you had are already there. And so, it doesn't try to like intelligently roll up or something like that. So, um, so it just injects a, a data attribute. And so I just was like, can I do that? And I figured out how to do that. And you can like just inject this data attribute into wherever. And then I like made a random little hash for it. Yeah. Uh, okay. And- so you can, that makes sense because you can programmatically alter the CSS and then give each rule like a randomized hash like Vue does mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but how do you do that in the html then how do you like f- match the selector that should be scoped in the html i i put a scope on my little hashinator function that was what I made all the hashes and hashed out the css but i put a scope but in that scope i just said you know scope dot query selector all uh star add data attribute data hash and so that's gives every element in that that scope, the data hash, and then all my CSS gets the data hash. And so then they match up and they're married and they work and the scoping works. So to all elements in scope. It like bends my brain a little bit how that works. It's just like adding a class to everything. Like, yeah. So it adds this, you do set attribute and it adds the hash, but how does it only add the hash to the thing that it should add the hash to? So I had div ID, some boundary, I think is what I had in my little code pen. And then 
I'm using a little short code like I'm using just because IDs get auto whatever <laughs> variableized or whatever in JavaScript. So I have some boundary as my ID. So it's basically saying like document.querySelector uh, my ID or uh, some boundary. Yeah. Uh, ID some boundary dot query selector star. So like go find this element and then query all the things in that element and then apply the oh, data hash. I see the scope. It's pretty clever, really. It kind of works. And yeah. like, in, you I don't know, even it, know what the edge cases would be. Have you find one? I mean, it seems like it would just do. It the seems job. like it works. But the problem is, it, it does a client side, not before client side. You know? Not before client side. So, and that's you know, but but and this is where I, I don't work on server side render hydration machine. So I don't really know, but if the idea is I'm thinking of like Astro or something like that, if you're just running it before, isn't that it? Like you just, you're just running it. Like you just run it before and they do something, they do scoped too. And I don't know if they just stole it from view or whatever, or they wrote their own, but I have, I kind of think they wrote their own because it's probably something a lot like this, you know? It probably looks 80% like this is yeah. if I had to guess. I mean, so, but Hey, I'm totally, this is naive. This doesn't work with server side rendering or anything like that, but it's just a code pen, but it sort of proved to me that idea that like CSS modules are actually module scripts, I should say are kind of cool because you can like import a style sheet and then you can mess with it because that's actually a power you don't really have with CSS modules or whatever. You No, that's what I was saying at the top of the show. You you don't that programmatic access to the style sheet is a big open door here that wasn't open before unless you do something wacky like regex pull it as town, a string. Yeah. USA. Yeah. Or use a CSS parser on the client side and those things are like two megabytes, you know? Like that's not gonna work. Yeah. So I mean it just seems like I don't know. I mean this works client and I, in theory, could it could work server-side, but it's just like, it's, it seems very lightweight. I mean, it's naive. I, I will totally acknowledge that. But, like, the idea that you can, like, programmatically manipulate something kind of gets us that scoping in CSS that Vue has without using Vue or without using, you know, you can make right. any component kind of this scope if you wanted. So, um. So it's interesting. You could even do this in web components without attaching to the shadow root. You know, you could mm. maybe escape the whole DOM crap. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. It, it does change the math for me if, because to me, the I mean, and I'm, you know, you've looked in this more than I have, but I we do follow, we officially follow web components on this podcast. If you rip out Shadow DOM from web components and say that's not useful anymore, where, where are you left? You know, that was I like my favorite it. part, you know, but only favorite because of the encapsulation, though. And if you get that benefit of encapsulation without Shadow DOM, do I like them more now? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I just, I don't know. For me, this is Dave Rupert, web component community group member. Uh, total just plebeian in this group, <laughs> this W3C group. But um, like these, Shadow DOM is cool um, for script and style encapsulation. Like it's just a baby web page that's in your, your page. 
but I've seen, you know, CSS people like we're in like a whole chat room full of people. We have a shop top discord, like <laughs> you have a blog um, about CSS. Like there's enough foot guns around shadow Dom and style encapsulation that it's seems too hard. Like, and, it, and it's maybe becomes less utilized web components are less utilized because it's a little bit difficult and a little bit foot gunny. So uh, there's a proposal by Miriam Suzanne for at scope in CSS, which is basically like, and you wrote about it today on CSS. Who did that go out today? Good. I think so. But Um, I read it. So it must have, (laughs) I don't have secret uh, URLs, but um, the, uh, that, it's such an awesome proposal because you can like say, start the scope here, but also end the scope here. I just think like we're doing all this stuff like CSS shadow Dom and BEM and robo classes to achieve scoping. And wouldn't it be cool if CSS just had yeah, scoping? That's it. You nailed, you wrote three things just there, which is probably not even all of them because, you know, think of just how many, component-based, you know, CSS libraries there are, all in an effort to just be like, oh, it's just, it's because CSS doesn't have scoping. I mean, if this, if this lands, and I very much hope it will in some form, it just, it's huge. Yeah. No, because I mean, your web component would just ship with an at scope block. Your Rack component would just ship with an at scope block. Your (laughs) HTML page uh, of whatever. Right patch together friggin' CSS crap that would just ship with an at scope block. And yeah. then if Chris Coyer is smart and good, he can come along with his good at scope block and override my at scope block because guess what? That's how the last works. thing wins in CSS. And that's perfect. You know what I mean? Like it is kind of perfect, right? So you, you have this override mechanism that isn't about fighting specificity. It's just leverages regular. Fighting CSS. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You know, I know a big part of this that, that makes it extra good. This scope proposal is a couple of like nuanced things that it solves that were hard. Otherwise, as I think I had wrote, and we've talked about before how there was an ancient, this must have been eight years ago or something, where you could just drop a style with the scoped attribute like Vue does and whatever. So you don't have mm-hmm. to scope styles in Vue, right? If you want to, you put the scope attribute on the style tag and then you get it, but you don't have mm-hmm. to. Um, that's cool, right? But the way that it that used to work was then, okay, the styles are scoped to that parent HTML element and everything down the chain, right? And that's not what they call donut. That's just scope, but not donut scope. <laughs> donut scope is, yeah. at some point, then that stops, you know, that you set a lower boundary, they call it, so that mm-hmm. it, th- those styles stop handling it. And Vue does this and CSS modules does this because it only applies to th- the things that you very specifically apply to it. You know, so it mostly handles that case because it's just being really specific about what it's handling. And if you put another nested component inside, it it probably won't mess with it. I mean, I think there's maybe some foot guns there. Like if you could, you can still do a descendant tag selector and the descendant tag would then be harmed by the non-donutted scope. Oh God, that was hard to say, but but still it mostly achieves. <laughs> well, you're scope. threading the needle, right? Like you're, yeah. you're, you're shooting a roll through the donut 
And so yeah. you're, I don't know. We need a cool term for that. Whatever. Harpooning the donut is that, that's what we call it. Shoot Pierce- the moon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're so you got to harpoon the donut. If you want to do that deep styling you're talking about. So, yeah. So I like that, that style scope didn't really handle that. Whereas this at scope rule does. And then that, that involved HTML too. And I'm always a little like, why is HTML involved here? This is a styling concern. So I like that this proposal is purely in CSS, which is great too. I mean, God, just the problems this thing solves is just amazing. Yeah. We absolutely no. need this. <laughs> well, I just, I think it, I think it makes everyone's life better. That's like, you know, it's just like, oh, uh, you know, I, I have a tab. I need some special tabs, but I don't want, guess what? I don't want to make every, uh, every link, you know, have a little file folder tab around it. So, I just, I don't know. Um, I would like to just scope this to this, you know, but then if you've been worked on any large projects and I like any, or maybe I should say any large project I've worked on, you know, you come up with these sort of magical rules and everyone's like naming things are hard, but you're just like, okay, you got to use this class here and then this class here and then this class here. And that's how you do it. Like, what if you didn't have to use the classes, you know, like you just, you know, you had a donut scope and you're like, okay, from here to here, I know there's going to be four buttons in there. And so I'm just going to target those. Like it's cool. It is cool. It's cool. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by HubSpot and specifically HubSpot's CMS Hub. It's a developer-friendly CMS designed to help businesses grow. So on August 3rd, HubSpot launched a new tier called CMS Hub Starter for $25 a month. Hub Starter comes with all the features needed for fast, secure Reliable websites, including SSL, a firewall in front of it, globally hosted CDN, all really good stuff. You know, a lot of CMSs can be like rather opinionated about how you then build the site around the CMS. Well, not CMS Hub, you're still building locally, even though this is like cloud hosting and the CMS is in the cloud and all that, you're still building locally with all these tools and the frameworks you prefer. So however you like to build websites as a front-end dev, you can do it. Uh, From there, if you want to upgrade to CMS Hub Pro or Enterprise for more advanced functionality and develop sophisticated user experience, uses stuff like personalization, which is pretty rad, and dynamic content based on CRM data, also very fancy. Uh, Those kind of features are on higher plans. Learn more at hubspotdev.co slash CMS Hub. You know, I hate to trot this out because so remember when, you know, container queries were all the talk and they still are. It should be. I mean, we got the prototype, you know, but I don't I I feel like the story is still a little unclear on like when are we when and how and is Safari going to do it? You know, like that would be a big deal, you know, way to wet blanket the whole Internet. (laughs) I know. Well, (laughs) this is all true of all this stuff we're talking about too. CSS module scripts. Is any other browser going to do that? who knows i've heard firefox is like maybe there's a flag or something that Mm. does it but it's not on can i use and that in fact man you look this stuff up on mdn nothing 
literally yeah. zero results for CSS modules, you know? And so I think there's some problems like lurk looming problems, you know? So, um, yeah. But so container queries are like that too. And so is the scope stuff. Every, every, you know, all these features, this is a classic story. When can we use it? <laughs> I have no idea, you know? Uh, um, yeah. So, but when we talked about container queries, what we trotted out, or I did a lot, because I thought this was true, is that most CSS we write would, or at least most media queries we write would be in a container query. And I don't know how, I don't know yet. We just don't know. But, you know, preliminary looks suggest that, you know, maybe that was a little bit of an over-exaggeration. I don't know. I, I, yeah. think, I think it's going to be um, pretty common, you know. Um, hold on. i got to type in order. Steak burrito or fish tacos, Chris? Steak burrito, fish tacos. Steak burrito, for sure. Yeah, I thought that's what I was going to choose. Okay, good. If you're going to the place, you get the fish because the – then it's yeah, fresh. it's fresh because uh, okay, yeah, resolved. Uh, okay, right, yeah. but the um, green sausage, get the green. Uh, the verde, obviously, obviously. Okay, uh, the, <laughs> back to CSS. Um, it, I think container queries will help in most circumstances. I think it's still this like, like I'm not going to type that because I don't know how that's going to turn out yet. You know, like I, I think we still have some until we see some signals or some movement from other people, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? So, okay. So let's apply this to scoped CSS at scope. Mm -hmm. Would, is it too early to say, or would you say that most CSS written will be scoped? Whoa. Uh, I would say most because it's actually kind of cool because it's kind of a safety mechanism. Yeah. Right. Like, cause CSS, the way it works, if it encounters the at, whatever and doesn't understand it it bails it it just says dude you wrote at pizza i'm just gonna ignore this whole thing i'm not even gonna worry about what's in here mm -hmm. and that's a cool part of of css so if it encounters that scope it it, it depends because the fallback is gonna be just dom if your styles don't render right like my tabs just look like links or buttons, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and that's not a bad fallback. No, I think it's a responsible thing to do is to, to, depending on what you're styling, just scope the styles to that thing. And I think in teams, that will just be the default way to do it because of the inherent scaredness people have to CSS, like writing a just picking a new class out of a hat and applying it to a style sheet and styling with that there's always some risk to that because the risk mm -hmm. is that you're going to trounce on something else so invent a scope scope the styles to it then you're more protected in that way and then the scope kind of goes around a chunk of css that feels a little bit like i know what this is for and this will be mm -hmm. easier to delete this whole chunk if i later on if i can just tell that that scope isn't in uses anymore but i feel like this whole that story is tied to the css module scripts story too because you can even though those aren't scoped yet unless you use you know dave scoper machine it still kind of implies that i'm importing that for a reason i'm probably importing that for a really specific reason it's probably just mm -hmm. for one component and I've authored it that way on on purpose and that when I'm done with it or that's been refactored or I'm throwing that component away, you throw away not only 
the style sheet, but the thing that imported that style sheet or whatever. You're, you're throwing them both away. There's this coupling between the styles and the JavaScript. To me, that feels like a good authoring technique, you know? And especially if they come in scoped, I mean, that's just like the way front ends should be built, if you ask me. I feel like that's the right primitive kind of thing. I think that, I mean, I think even Evan pushed against that kind of concept too, is that because then they're not, like they're not, combinable like like now you, you have one ajax request for every component out there and like i don't mm-hmm. know if http2 or 3 really has determined that's okay especially with the falc stuff it doesn't make it the best but it also isn't you know if you're right now you're just injecting the css block into the component somehow into the javascript somehow so you're saving a request, but like your CSS file is bigger. You know what I mean? Like, so if I request whatever uh, postfeed.js, mm-hmm. it it has my postfeed.css injected into the postfeed.js. So we're really splitting hairs there on the extra request, in my opinion. Like, cause cause the whole thing is you want it to like progressively you only want to load the CSS that you're loading for the page. You want the zero mm-hmm. Uh, unused CSS gold star. And so you, you know, so like, I think you're splitting hairs there if it's in that ju- post feed.js or not, you know, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I, I mean, I, some whatever, we can get Scott Gell and Tim Cadillac on and they can tell us we're wrong. But <laughs> so. I don't know. I'm sure the performance <laughs> implications of CSS module scripts have not shaken out yet. I don't know. Yeah, well, but the the thing, the nice thing about CSS module scripts is you have the parser in there. So when it comes into your JavaScript, it's parsed. Like it didn't. Yeah. It, you didn't have to run some ugly magic on it. It's it's there. It's yeah. it's kind of what the browser needs, and so. Gosh, I I think it's cool. And my brain's spinning right now because like if you had at scope, let's say at scope and I'm using CSS modules. Uh Oh, Chris, my browser doesn't support CSS modules. Guess what? Or sorry, uh, my browser doesn't support at scope. Guess Mm. what? Now that I know how to loop through all the CSS rules and tinker with them, I can write a preprocessor in the browser that changes at scope to my gnarly hash name. Oh my God. That's fancy. That's how the polyfill for modules. I don't know. I'm just Maybe. thinking out, I'm braining, I'm mouth blogging <laughs> right here live on the show. I, I right. just like, like you could write a client side CSS preprocessor that does all this stuff that polyfills CSS on the fly. Yeah, I mean, that, if somebody was going to write a post CSS plugin for AtScope, that's how they would do it. I absolutely. So, but we can do it client side now. Client side polyfilling CSS. Look at what we've just made there. Mm-hmm. Polyfill IO. Just call me. Give me the bucks for this idea. Come on. <laughs> so this think is... of all the things we've talked about that like went from worse to better that we talked about. We talked about like, oh, you know, styling web components just doesn't have a good styling story. Oh, that went from worse to better because now we can just import the style sheet and use it. Um, You know, people write CSS that's too global. Well, 
fine, then import this and, and run CSS modules over it if you need to, or, or use this new scope stuff if it ever lands. You know, that's gone from worse to better. And people write styles that are too coupled to global media queries. Well, container queries are coming. That went from worse to better. And uh, it's just kind of cool to think of that. An unused CSS. Oh, there's too much unused CSS on projects. Well, just import the styles that you need with these, you know, like kind of re-architecting. I'm not saying it goes to worse to better overnight. It's just that the tools are starting to land in place. It's like, oh, this is a, you know, these are better primitives for authoring front ends. Yeah. No, I, I, th- I don't think I'm all doom and gloom like everyone else is, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I do want to say, like, I appreciate, I appreciate, uh, Evan and Rich's thoughts. Anytime they have a problem with the web platform, like I like it actually, because they just, they're invested, they build tools for it. And then when the native thing shows up and it like can't meet their needs, it's like, man, that's, I understand why that's frustrating because you would love to offload this to the browser, but it doesn't do what you want to do. So I understand that. I do think there needs to be a little bit like, Hey, this thing is literally V O dot one. So we need like, it's not even out yet and people are already complaining, but like, you know, I think you just gotta, I think we need a little bit of like, Hey, I think this this little building block is good, but it can get better. How do we get it to better? You know, I, I don't know unless you want to land like a big thing in V1. And that's like people do in, in, but those take decades on web time, not, you know, a year or whatever. So. Right. Oh, that was a lot. Well, that was a fun, fun journey. Yeah. I was going to say your post was, we had 90% unused CSS because everybody was afraid to touch oh. the old stuff. Mm. That was the Ken yeah. Dodds. Yeah, post. I didn't really dig into at scope that much. I just linked to the fact that it's it feels related to me. That if you can scope styles, I think it goes a long way in combating long-term unused CSS. You know? Yeah, because if you just see at scope, my tabs... Guess what? I know exactly what that whole block does. Yeah, it's amazing. It's great. I ain't afraid of it. I'm just going to mess it up. And no, I'm not messing up. It's anything. true, though, that you still have to name dot tabs, though. And that could be a conflict later. Whereas it's part of the beauty that you get with, you know, the old school CSS modules is you can call it dot tabs and it doesn't matter because it's going to get obfuscated away to something that w- will not conflict with something else. And I do kind of like that. I use repetitive class names all the time in my in my CSS modules, like the classic project. I just I always do dot root dot root is just the parent thing. So you never mm-hmm. have to think about it. You never have to think of a name for the parent of the thing. It's just the mm-hmm. root of the thing. Root. And you do it, you know, and I can use root over and over and over and over. And if there's a title in a card, I just call it dot title because I don't want to think too hard about it. So I just call it dot title. You know? <clears throat> I'm sure tail when people will be like, I never have to name anything. Ever. <laughs> it's not dot title. It's dot blue dot P5, red by eighty five. Yeah. We love you, Tailwind people. <laughs> <laughs> I read a cool thing about Tailwind about how the that that it had the appropriate amount of nuance, which you know, I always appreciate that kind of thing, is that there's uh, I think it was on the Vidget blog. Um that it doesn't just mean one thing. And I, I, I think people forget that sometimes. You say, oh, we use Tailwind. What does that actually mean? Can mean super different things. You can just 
CDN load a style sheet of a default build of Tailwind with every class it has to offer. That's mm-hmm. a one way to do it. You can wire up Tailwind to remove all the unused classes, right? That purge like CSS. Purge That's kind of like the correct yeah. way to use Tailwind, I'd say, or one of them. Another way is to like to really lean into their at apply rules stuff is that you just you kind of like are still writing regular CSS, but you at apply all the classes that it has available to it, right? So you're just you're still just using Tailwind styling, but you're just using it's your like own classes. SAS mixins. We, yeah we, like a right. vibe so right and yeah. then there's a way then you or you could really lean into tailwind's configuration and you still use all the classes but you what those classes do is entirely customized by you they apply different colors different fonts different spacing different everything you know or you can use tailwind ui which are pre-built components so you, you know like like that's like five ways you know i would love to know how often tailwind the configuration gets changed like or like what people change, you know, I know like colors is like a popular, get my brand colors in, but like, I'd love to know, like, are y'all really messing with like padding sizes? Cause that's, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It seems like then all your tailwind UI stuff wouldn't work anymore. But if you, if you're using both of those, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's cool. There's yeah, a lot that, of that avenues a, in tailwind. Right? That article you mentioned was, a. Uh, um, a JS party episode with Kent C Dodds on it, who this was, wasn't really all about that. It was mostly just about react. Really. It was a pretty good podcast. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, that happened to mentioned um, style components, which is just another, you know, in react specifically, which I almost prefer calling it CSS in react because like that's what people mean when they think of CSS and JS because every other frame popular framework, like all of them, as far as I know, have their own s- built, blessed built-in styling solution so when yeah. you're picking around looking at which css and js library i mean that means you're on a react project so you get to That's pick true. from the different ones which is fine but you know no blessed solution in react just yet i doubt there ever will be so style yeah. components is a really popular one why do people pick it not because they're just like God, i love complicated build tools or like i'm a <laughs> javascript nerd i just love smashing the syntax of css into javascript or it helps me not learn css or any of those kind of like negative connotations is i my guess is the number one reason is scope styles is that i can write styles that are tightly coupled to this component and i never have to worry about any leaking out or leaking in or whatever i mean i guess you have to worry about mm. leaking in but not so you much don't get lost out. in a css file that's five thousand lines long and when i want to delete that component because we're i don't need it anymore it all goes away together that's super mm-hmm. compelling. And if you can bring all that compellingness to the native platform, which is not there yet, even with this new stuff we're talking about, but that, that would be cool to me. There's a mm-hmm. zero build process way with all the benefits of what we have with complicated tools. It's like um, it's SAS partials, sort of, you know, it's just you want to use that CSS for that thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what if CSS got partials and... Ooh, would that that might change? Ooh, anyway, yeah. I guess it technically has partials. It's just import is terrible. So, <laughs> so. yeah, I, I do look yeah. forward to that. I didn't know that that we we're talking about importable HTML chunks, but that seems really, of course, right? Yeah. Well, even in, if it worked with JSX, uh, you know, and I'm sure you could import 
JSX or something, you know, import my template.jsx or something. Um, maybe one day, or maybe there's a polyfill for that or something like that, you know, but like, I think, you know, it, it makes your react component leaner, you know, cause you're just like, okay, I, my template is sort of fixed in how it's going to render. So I really like, I, I'm just want to do the logic base. You kind of get away from the single file react component, which people like, which is also good, but like you maybe get some organization there. So, um, I don't know. It's kind of something to think about there. You might have a, your JSX files might just live in your, your render templates might live in, in a different file. So different. Yeah, I don't know. In react land, that's maybe unpractical because there's so many like if statements and crap in there, but yeah. <laughs> in that render, yeah. but who knows? Well, we should probably quit, but I wrote down one more thing. So I'm going to do it, you know? So I'm going to mouth blog this. You ready? There's, mm-hmm, let's say mm-hmm, you do the mm-hmm. root thing with your custom property. You do like root and then you do like margin, dash, dash, margin, 10 pixels. Mm-hmm. Then you do a button later and you say margin, colon, var margin. So you're using the custom property there and that works super duper fine, right? Mm-hmm. But, okay, let's say you go too deep. You know how custom properties can reference other custom properties? Mm-hmm. So let's say you wanted two, you're going to smash together two different custom properties for margin. You're going to go your margin inline and your margin block. So you're going to set those separately. One's five pixels, one's 10 pixels. Then you make a third CSS variable that's just called margin that references those other two. Farm margin inline margin block. Yep, yep. Got yep. it. You following me? Okay. So I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. So now you still have dash dash margin to use, and later you do button and you call margin, and it works great, right? Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. you do button dot variant, mm-hmm. and button dot variant changes just margin inline. So it just mm. says dash dash margin inline, and then you change it to ten pixels. Does that a work or b not work? Oh. The answer is B. It does not work. Really? So you yeah. can't just say like mar- button dot variant dash dash margin colon inline and or you can't change the the, the dependency variables. Oh oh yeah okay interesting. Oh I would have thought that worked, but that right makes sense. doesn't it seem okay. like it would work? It seems like it, it would, would work. Seem- because it's yeah, like yeah. it's you're changing this dependency variable for this this variable that you are using that that sets it. But no, it's because that you you didn't declare that um, that margin that that combo one on mm-hmm. button that's just sitting up on root. You have okay. to like so one solution to it is you know where it's just like colon root where like the place you're declaring it just like comma separate it and put like comma button you you declare them on the button also. Oh, okay. And then it's like, because it's declared there, then that override works. It's just really mind-bending when it will resolve and when it won't. Yeah. That's, yeah. I feel like I've messed myself up with the, like, I'm going to write a complex (laughs) variable. You know, every time I do that, I'm just, I hate it later. You know, (laughs) even like the, Whatever that fancy make my heading scales, you know, whatever. Sure. Fluid type thing. Fluid type formula. I love it because it's clever. I want to give everyone all the credit for that CSS trick, but I hate it when I see it in my CSS now because I'm just like, what? 
what is going on, you know, or I don't know. I have strong opinions about when people do like picks to rem and stuff like that too. I'm I'm just like not a fan. Just type out what you mean. So just just type it out. If you want, just I don't know, declare just have whatever margin inline or margin block, and then every time you want to use them, you you specify what you want. You know, don't variables and variables ends up creating uh, a unmaintainable machine. It, yeah, maybe. yeah. I don't know. It just sucks that it, like I could see that if it was like one level deeper or something, but just one combo variable it didn't seem like that bad, you know. Especially because imagine this one, you know. Brand color one, brand color two, and then linear grade. You're setting a linear gradient that goes from color one to color two. And all you want to do in a variant is change color one or color two. And you just can't because then it's, you know, it's not that you can't. There's there's ways around this. So I wrote it up. And this is all credit to Stephen Shaw, too, because he like he like brought He's this up thing the yeah. other day and and made a b- bunch of demos and graph and i was like wow is that ever weird and i think adam argall chiped in and said this is the number one gotcha that people face with custom properties and miriam had a good way of explaining it so i don't want to sound like the the captain of this but i just that's what i do i wrap my mind around somebody else's problem and blog it so there you go that's that's just that's the formula so <laughs> I do that. Or I get nerd sniped by why do people not like CSS modules? Guess I'll spend a day. Yeah. So, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> so uh-huh. no, it's fine. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, wrap thanks. it on up. Yeah. We are uh, heading into the end of summer here. So expect uh, things to, for me at least, get a little more focused. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Uh, but thank you, dear listener, for uh, downloading this in your podcatcher choice. Be sure to start our favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show. Tens of tweets a month. Buy our mug. Oh my God. Go to the CSS True <laughs> Story. Buy our mug. And. Join the uh, join us over on the uh, patreon.com slash shop talk discord, please. That would be awesome to see you there. Chris, anything else you'd like to say? <laughs> oh, shop talk show.com. <laughs>